This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 35. In our last episode, we talked about the magic of breath work and how we can use this tool that we all have access to, to do all of the things, right? To center ourselves, to bring mindfulness to the moment, to nourish ourselves with oxygen, to calm ourselves, to fall asleep, to wake up in the morning, to use it during moments of overwhelm and feeling stuck. I hope that you had a chance to apply the magic of breathwork to your life and see how truly life-changing it can be. Now this week, I'd like to continue the conversation and talk about how do we continue this pattern of connection and building a relationship with ourselves? How do we connect to our brain, specifically to our right brain, to play, to nurture, to be creative? My guest today is an expert in this area, and I think you're going to love our discussion and the actionable tips that you're going to receive on utilizing play as a way to build a deeper connection and to help us get to our next level. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Kristen Yates. Dr. Yates is a board-certified OBGYN physician, author, and life coach. She's also a podcaster. She hosts the podcast, Imposter to Unstoppable, which normalizes the experience of imposter syndrome among physicians and all humans. I am so excited to have you here. Hi, Kristen. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you share your story, a little bit about your journey being a physician, exploring imposters, because I think all of us struggle with that. Being an entrepreneur, being a mom, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more. Yeah. So I I can start from where kind of everything started to shift for me, which was when I graduated from residency. And that was back in 2016. And I landed like my dream job back in the New Hampshire where I'm I'm from. And I thought that this is it. I've made it. And I'm just going to set sail into the sunset working as an OBGYN the rest of my life. And then like within six months, I was really struggling. I wanted so much so that I just, I really wanted to just be done with medicine. I, I couldn't fathom working 
working for 50 years, even 20 years doing what I was doing. And for me, it was all because my self-doubt, my imposter syndrome was all consuming. I couldn't be on call without worrying. I couldn't go into clinic. I was worried about surgeries. I was having, I was not able to operate alone because I was so scared that I would make a mistake or that people would know that I really shouldn't have the job that I did. And at the time, I didn't know that it was normal and it was so prevalent. I thought that I was really the only one who was the real imposter. I thought it was just me and everyone else was confident. And, and so I just, I felt like a complete outsider and I wanted to leave medicine. So that part of my life coincided with the birth of my second daughter and actually was very fortuitous that it happened that way because I was looking like on maternity leave, look, figuring out like, how am I going to try to lose the baby weight this time kind of thing mm -hmm. and stumbled across many resources. But one of them was uh, life coaching and weight loss coaching through podcasts. And I dove down that rabbit hole really deep and got into the whole personal development world and the importance of our thoughts. And these were things, our basic realities that I didn't really ever consider to be something to use and, and something as powerful as it was. So I lost 50 pounds. I became the healthiest weight I ever was. And then I was like, I bet these concepts would work with my unhappiness with myself and my lack of confidence. So I just tried it. I did the same thing. I questioned the thoughts I had. I became very aware of all of the negative self-talk I was having. And then I just slowly started to change it. And I coached myself and I got coaches and completely turned everything around. And within another, within another six months or so, I fell in love with medicine again. I didn't want to leave my job. And my burnout really was all because of my own, my own insecurities. I I'm very lucky to say that I have a great job. I have great partners. I have, especially in the realm of OBGYN, really great balance. So it was, I didn't have any of the systems stuff then that, that so many physicians have. It was really all me. And once I was able to get a hold of that, everything changed. And I, I have the same job do now that I did then. I worked the same. I didn't change my hours. Yeah. So nothing, none of my external circumstances changed. The only thing that changed was me. And I think realizing that looking back in the last year and realizing all the changes I made in the success that I had with it, I said, I need to share these simple things with other physicians, early career physician women, especially. And so then I just started that. And then that kind of was a hobby of mine until I committed to being an entrepreneur, which I never thought I would do. And now I do that. Now I, I started a podcast for the reason of getting the message out. And now I coach other women physicians and I have a retreat business. So I put on retreats for women physicians where they can learn how to have fun again. And I have three kids. I have three girls. They are six, four and 15 months. And I have a husband who is a stay at home dad. That's awesome. Yes. Isn't it amazing? The magic that happens when we just question, right? Our, yeah. our thoughts, because we believe that everything that we think is true. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, this is just, it's awful because of this reason or that reason. And we, we have all of these beliefs. Sometimes they're so deep rooted, right? Because yeah. they're coming from all of our prior experiences, our childhood and all of that. And then we think it's true. But when we start just asking, hey, but what if it wasn't? And just asking questions and in a loving way, it's amazing what happened. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear your story. Thank you for sharing. And as you have explored this journey, I, I just like save there are listeners who's listening to this and think, I don't know how to get started questioning my thoughts. Mm -hmm. What, what do I even ask? I would love for you to share just general questions that if you're sitting and you're feeling stuck or you're feeling I'm not doing a good job and it's just me and like thoughts of imposterism or perfectionism or any of those things, when you're in that space, what is a question or what are some questions that can maybe just get them started thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I love that thought because it really does seem overwhelming. Like how do I take where I'm at and become 
someone who's so different, seemingly so different. And I think for me and what I tell everyone who I work with is Mm -hmm. the first step really is the awareness that you have thoughts, tens of thousands of thoughts a day that are under the radar that are happening without your awareness, really. And for me, I didn't know that I was having thoughts of something's going to happen and I won't know what to do. I just had a feeling. I had a feeling of anxiety or worry or restlessness. So I think the first step is asking, like, if you have a general sense of I'm feeling something that doesn't feel good, it's an emotion I don't like. I hate to say positive and negative emotions (laughs) because they're all part of the human experience. But if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling anxious, then the question I think would be to ask yourself is why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling stuck? And then just give yourself five minutes to just write it down. Just put your, I love, I, I fought journaling a long time because it felt like a little bit woo and not really necessary, but there's something very powerful about taking the thoughts that are like floating around in the ether and putting them on paper because you're, then you can recruit your neocortex to really look at them and say, that doesn't make sense, but it's Mm -hmm. in there. It's these subconscious thoughts are in there driving our life for most of us. So I think the question that I would ask, the fundamental question would be ask yourself what you're feeling and then why you're feeling it. Yeah. I love journaling. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. one of it too. And there have been times in my life that I've struggled to journal just because I'm like, I don't want to pull out the journal and write down, but agree with you. I think just the process of asking yourself questions and then just writing down whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. I have found myself, I didn't even know this is what I was thinking, but when I asked myself, why do I feel this way? Why is this important to me? Why Mm -hmm. am I struggling with this? Whatever, any question really will help us open the door into our own mind. And then we write it down and and you look at some of the stuff that comes out and you go, I didn't even know I was thinking that way or feeling that. And, and that doesn't even make sense. That's like something my eight-year-old would say, or my Mm -hmm. five-year-old would say. And, but until we put it down to paper and we can look at it objectively, I agree. It's so hard because we believe everything our brain tells us, even if it is that subconscious, like push, oh, I should do this. I should eat that cookie. I should just go to sleep and don't worry about finishing whatever you committed Mm -hmm. to. But when we put it down to paper and you see it in black and white and you think, that's why I feel that way. Yeah. So that's a great space to explore. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind that I didn't know is that thoughts feel true. They only feel true to us because we've been thinking them repetitively Mm -hmm. and our brains want to prove our thoughts. We have beliefs about ourselves, right? So this confirmation bias that our brain uses in order to put things on autopilot is many of us are using it to our detriment. Like we're having thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough surgeon. I'm not as smart as my partners. And that's a belief you have about yourself. So then your brain throughout the day is going to work, looking for evidence to prove that to be true. So all of these other things are probably happening to prove that you are good enough or you are a good enough surgeon, but your brain is ignoring them because it doesn't prove your limiting belief. So when you can use things like that, like confirmation bias and setting a foundation of new beliefs, then your brain will do the same thing. will go to work for you collecting data to prove those more uplifting beliefs to be true. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think the more we explore in this space, really, the more we get to know ourselves, mm-hmm. we get to connect with ourselves. And I I could definitely connect with a lot, a lot of what you said really resonated because it is true. Starting my practice too, I felt everyone else has more experience than me or every, everyone else knows what to do. And I'm just the only person. And uh, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty that comes and our brain doesn't like to live in that anxiety or uncertainty. So we find ways to say, maybe this 
is not the right job for me. Maybe mm-hmm. this is not the right place for me, all of that. And I, I didn't even notice that was one of my underlying struggle until I had gone through coaching for something else. And one day I realized that that low level, like baseline anxiety and uncertainty that I had struggled with for so long was just gone. And it wasn't really said, oh, I'm going to deal with my anxiety. I'm going to make it go away. But by really just connecting to my thoughts and to exploring it and really just saying, okay, why do I feel this way? What, am I willing to, what does this mean for me? And yeah. just continue to explore. I realized that, you know, a lot of the other things, the subconscious things that you were talking about, it really does get addressed through that whole journey. So yeah, it does. There's so much overlap because I don't know if you've heard the term as how we, how we do one thing is how we do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's so true, which is why it was so easy. Once I use these skills for weight loss, it was like a no brainer because my brain was offering me the same negative thoughts for every part of my life. So it really is once you, once the ball starts rolling, the momentum picks up. Yes, absolutely. To explore a little bit about what you were saying earlier, as far as the retreats you were talking about and just yeah. exploring how to have fun. Cause I think that I hear this from adults. I used to feel this way too, that, oh, as the kids play and as adults, we just have to do our responsibility. Like we have to finish mm-hmm. all of our things, all of the things on our to-do list. That is my job and exploring the space of what does play and fun feel like? And, and what if we do some of those things that we say, oh, only kids do that. So I'd love yeah. to hear more about, about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, I realized I have no idea how to have fun. I didn't know what that meant. I thought fun was like cooking and like <laughs> reading and those things are fun, but it was like, I'm, I was talking about fun, like the excitement, the adrenaline, the laughter, the, like the full belly laughs that you have when you're like so lost in the moment. And I let that settle for a little bit, but I was like, I really just need to bring fun into my life a little bit more. So fast forward a few months and I came in contact with the work of Jill Bolte Taylor, who's a neuroscientist who had a stroke and has one of the biggest Ted talks ever, most popular Ted talks. It's really good if you haven't seen it, but she wrote a book called whole brain living or something like that. And she brought to the surface exactly what I was needing in my life. And essentially as doctors and as most human beings, we're very left brain focused, right? Left brain, the left hemisphere of the brain is the data, the policies, the details, the memorization, all of those things that we need in order to function as a, and also the left brain is the self-doubt, the limiting beliefs, the judgment, the comparison, all of that stuff that makes us feel like crap. So when we're like going through this like hypertrophy of the left brain, when we're learning to be doctors, all the self-doubt gets hypertrophied with it, but we don't know that because we're just doing, we're just trying to survive and become a good physician. But what happens over time is that we lose, we don't make time for the right brain stuff, which is the fun, the present moment, the curiosity, the hobbies, the music, thinking in colors and pictures and art and that kind of thing, the creativity. And we know when we go through medical school and residency, we just don't have time for that. So the right brain, I I really think it's like an atrophy, like we forget how to use it. And then what happens is that we come out really smart, but we're not able to see that. And we don't feel like we're ever enough. And it's because the left hemisphere of the brain is functioning without the right hemisphere of the brain for all intents and purposes. So what I realized is that I needed my right brain to become back. I needed needed to come back and I really wanted it to be in charge. I wanted it to be the one driving my life. I wanted to be in the present moment with love and curiosity and fun, and then use the skills of my left brain as needed. So I wanted to flip it. And so I did that. I started doing more fun things, running around, riding a bike again, actually playing with my kids, which is sometimes fun and sometimes not. So I admit that. (laughs) And my husband too, him and I playing together and, and doing these things that feel more creative. And then I realized that other women were physicians were saying the same thing. Like, I don't have, I don't know how to have fun anymore. And part of my coaching business is decreasing self-doubt, increasing confidence. And 
I just had this idea that I think that we're fun using fun and opportunity to have fun is a really good idea. It's like a stepping stone to use learning to use the right brain more, decreasing the left brain overuse and creating more balance in our life. So that's what I did. And I create adventure retreats now for women physicians where we go and we basically the point of it is fun, like zip line and we do paint nights and we, we talk about and we do coaching, all those things. But really the crux of it is we're going to learn how to have fun again and be in the moment. And then from that space where we've relearned how to reintegrate our right brain creative side into our left brain, then we really start to question our thoughts and our doubt. And it's much easier to do it from that place. I love that. Oh my goodness. That is such an amazing idea. And all of what you were talking about, the science behind it and the experience is so true. I, I never really thought about it that way, but I love it. I know one of the things that I've struggled with when I was going through burnout and really struggling with my own thoughts and feeling like an imposter and everything, right? Was feeling like, I don't even know what I do anymore. I don't even know what I like anymore. And I had to really explore and try different things to see, okay, what is it that I like to do? How do I have fun? But I never considered that maybe part of the reason why I was doubting myself so much or like in that left brain mode so Mm -hmm. much was because my right brain, uh, yeah, for sure, definitely atrophied through all of residency medical school because we don't really don't spend time doing anything else. There's no time really beyond what we do. I think that's such an amazing idea. And and if nothing else, you're having fun while you're doing it. Exactly. So there's no loss. There's no downside. Yeah, no downside. (laughs) How do you intentionally create, especially for people like me who come to you and say, I don't even know what fun is. Like, how do I have fun? Yeah, I think that you really just think of an idea that might sound a little fun to you and then you just try it. And I think so many women were like, I I don't want to do it wrong. I want to pick the fun (laughs) thing. Like I want to pick the right fun thing. And you'll never know until you try. And I think that we're so, we get so caught up. Like we try to enter our creativity through our logic or it's, I'm not good at, I'm not good at this. I'm not a good painter. I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to ride a bike. I don't know. That seems silly. Like why would I run around with and play Mm -hmm. whatever? So I think that we get lost in it. We we get lost of what are they going to think about me? It's not going to be good enough, but I think it's really picking something or like being curious. That would be fun. Like listing a bunch of activities. Would it be fun to play soccer? Would it be fun to paint something? Would it be fun to go ziplining, go ride, go go go-kart, whatever these things, like just be curious with yourself, ask some questions. And then if you're like, that might be fun, then pick that and just decide to go with it and expect sabotage, right? Your logical brain is going to be like, we don't have time for that. You're going to look like an idiot. No one's, what are you doing? You don't, that doesn't matter. That stuff is not important. The, The chatter, the mental chatter will be nonstop. But when you get there and you do it and you're in the go-kart or whatever it is, or bumper cars, oh my gosh, I did bumper cars recently. And it was the most fun four minutes of my life. It was so fun. And it's just, just be in the moment. And then if you like it, then do it again. And if you don't, then you've learned, okay, that's not for me. I'll try something. But it's really more about curiosity and just having that willingness to re reintroduce yourself to the other side of you. Yeah. Love it. My teen, my 13 year old has been asking me for a while now. I don't know why he wants to, but he wants to play Minecraft with me. And it's amazing. As you were sharing, I really, really, I've been resisting it because I'm like, I'm going to suck at it. And he's going to be so much better. And I don't really want to do it wrong. And all of the things I did promise to do it. We we have a date picked out and everything. And for whatever reason, it really means a lot to him. So maybe I will just explore it. Okay. How, what if I didn't have to be? Because I haven't played video game in so long. So there's that, oh, I'm going to do it wrong feeling. What if I just had fun with it? Exactly. And we're so used to, we really have a lot of fear about being wrong or Mm -hmm. looking bad. Just as physicians, like, of course, because 
a lot of the times, if we do something wrong or mess up, like we could be affecting our patients or our colleagues. So Mm -hmm. we bring how we do one thing is how we do everything. Mm -hmm. We bring that seriousness to everything. Mm -hmm. And if you can just make the, set the intention of, I'm just learned, like this is about growth. I'm I'm learning. This is going to be fun. This is going to be exploration. Then what happens over time is that then it flip-flops and you can bring that curiosity into your your job. And that doesn't mean you're not careful. It means that it's not so serious all the time. Mm -hmm. And you can be a curious physician and a careful, really smart physician. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be a serious physician who's terrified in order to get good outcomes. And I I was just thinking too, I mean, for really pretty much any field in medicine, we do, we have given up our right, right side of the brain, but we do actually need it because medicine is not cookie cutter science. Our patients come up with a spectrum. Sometimes that doesn't quite fit the textbook. We always joke about, well, the disease didn't research, but it shows Mm -hmm. up how it does. And we have to really be willing to conference with our colleagues. And sometimes there are some challenging cases. And I always think that, well, this part, that is a creativity that comes up and and we don't really explore that as much. So really embracing play can help us. Like you were saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it can help us in so many different areas be our best because we're allowing our brain to equilibrate and not just be like one-sided or lopsided. So I think that's such an amazing idea. Yeah, it's really true. And I think, like I said too, like the right brain is the present moment. Like when you're really engrossed in something and being creative and having fun, like your brain is quiet, you're in the moment. So what has changed medicine for me the most probably is bringing that awareness and the presence into my clinical practice and Mm -hmm. sitting with a patient. And instead of worrying about, I have this many tasks to do, I'm so behind on notes. What do I have to do for dinner tonight? All this like mental chatter, just allowing my right brain to just take control and be in the moment with her. Or when I'm operating, am I doing this fast enough? What are the anesthesiologists thinking about me on and on instead of just Mm -hmm. focusing on the surgery, like the next step I'm doing. And that's really made me feel so much more fulfilled. And I think it makes me better, honestly, than being so distracted with what's going on in our brains all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what a great way I I love, we started talking about like journaling and connecting to our thoughts and exploring our thoughts. You know, a lot of that is left brain work. And then we segue to the right brain Mm -hmm. stuff and and connecting to play. And, And you mentioned doing adventures and other things too. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, how do I, so I never, I never used to be like a hugely adventurous person, but as I was exploring my own fun, I've been looking at, yeah, this is something that I might never have done before or tried before, but Mm -hmm. how can, how could this be fun? Could I try it? Is it just, is it 20% outside my comfort zone or a (laughs) hundred percent outside my comfort zone? So just really exploring that. And and it's actually been fun to explore. What are things that I would be willing to do? Like even eat different cuisine. I'm like, what are things that, that would, that I would be adventurous to try? So share a little bit about that concept and how can people start stretching that adventure bone in their body? Yeah. I think you nailed it there by saying that, does this feel like attainable or does this feel like so out of the scope of possible for me that I won't even do it? So I think that asking yourself, does this sound fun and exciting and a little bit scary or does this mostly sound terrifying? Like for me, it's like, what sounds fun and exciting is are things like zip lining and that kind of like racing and like that kind of stuff. But what does not sound terrifying to me is like skiing where I have no interest in that. I don't want to be 
cold uh, and I might get there, but like right now it's like what, or like rock climbing. No, thank you. These are, the, but everyone's different. Right. Some people are like, I want to rock climb. And it feel like, I think we're so used to being in our head. We forget about listening to our body, but there's a lot of messages that come up. Like when you can think about, when you're thinking about, oh, I really, I'm excited about something. You're feeling something in your body. So I think if you, in those moments when you're thinking, does this sound like something I can't do or not? Just notice like what's going to feel exciting and what makes you feel closed. Like for right now, making rock climbing. No, thank you. That makes me feel closed. Doing something like more thrilling, bungee jumping. Maybe I could get there right in a few years. But I think once you start to get used to listening to your body and then trying things and accept that like, it's going to feel uncomfortable because you haven't done it before. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that you're growing. So I think that a lot of us use that discomfort and that little, that, that's little angst to mean that it's not something that we're supposed to do when in reality door to growth, Mm -hmm. that's the path to follow. And then I think over time, as you expand your adventures, then you'll change and you'll want to do different things. And I think that's the fun and exciting part about it is that if you try little small adventures or try to get creative in certain ways now, in a year from now, the who you'll be will be so much more and whole than you are today. Yeah. Yeah. And recently I, I tried something that I haven't tried. I haven't done ever, which is um, swimming in the deep sea. And I'm not like, I'm not a super strong swimmer. I initially started swimming a little bit away from the shoreline and I would get like, just not be feel the, the, the beach, essentially the floor of the ocean under my feet. It freaked me out. And so I, I did a little bit of that. And then I actually went on a boat on a trip that someone took us out and it was in the middle of the ocean and we were going snorkeling. And that, that would have been something that would be so outside my comfort zone, even just six months ago. But what happened is when I was doing it, and I definitely, I could feel my heart pounding as I got into the water, but I had a a vest on and I was surrounded by other people. I had essentially a a coach, a person leading us, a tour guide, essentially. And when my son was like, I got to do it. He, no one else was with him. I'm like, I got to go with him. So you, you step outside. What I realized is, yes, I could never have imagined it six months ago, but every, every small micro decision that I've made that I've said, okay, I'll do a little bit of this stretching just a little bit outside where I want to, where I think I should be. And I think, oh, that's fun. And oh my goodness, it was so amazing. Fish were, it was like, I have never seen colors that vibrant. Mm. And the water was like this deep blue. It was just amazing. It was such an amazing experience. And at the end of it, I could easily have not gone. My son would have gone with the group and it would have been fine. And, but I'm so grateful that I I did do that. And subsequently, like there were other things that came up that I'm like, oh yeah, if I could do that, I could do this. So it really shifts what we think we can do and we can't. We want to do things that we feel like you were saying, there's that small percentage of attainable. We all still need a little bit of that safety or security that we connect to, but we look at, okay, how can I do this and feel okay, feel safe? Because I I knew that I was safe. I mean, I wasn't going to sink. There were people around me and I had a vest on. Mm -hmm. That's as safe as you can be. And so it was just an amazing experience. And it was just that feeling of gratitude and doing something that I, I might not ever have done that before if mm-hmm. I hadn't explored the edges of my comfort zone. Yeah, I love that story. I love that. Now it's something I want to try now. Oh my goodness. I never, I've never gone snorkeling. Like I've done snorkeling like close to the shoreline. Mm-hmm. I've never gone you know, deeper and, and it was amazing. It was, it really felt, especially when you are under like a little bit underwater, right? You feel cut off from everybody. There's no real yeah. sound. 
around. There's just that stillness and it's gorgeous. I, I understand. I know a lot of people are into diving and snorkeling and everything. And I never thought that would be me. I always yeah. thought, oh, that, I'm too scared to do that. But by trying a little bit, I realized it's just like swimming by the beach. It's just a little bit deeper. Yeah. And so it was just an amazing experience. I highly recommend. It. Yeah, I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I hope as people listen to this, they explore where are their edges? What are things that they might want to try? And for everybody, like you said, it's different. Mm-hmm. When I first started this whole exploring my edges, like one of the things I said was, okay, wh- what is one thing that I've never done before? And it was running. So people might not think of running as this like amazing event. I started working from literally zero fitness and I did a half marathon and yeah. the whole journey, it was truly an adventure because I was doing things that I had never done before. I was pushing mm-hmm. myself in a way that my body had never explored before and listening to our body and being in that mm-hmm. moment. So don't feel like you have to do exactly like what we're talking about here. Right. Just explore what is something that you've maybe wanted to try, or you look at other people doing it and think, oh, maybe that looks like fun. What would it be like if you just tried one thing, a little something new and, and then connect to your body and examine what does that feel like in your body? What does it mm-hmm. feel like to run? And, and just that feeling of feeling essentially your lactic acid building up really is what mm-hmm. it is, but feeling mm-hmm. a little that, that exhilarating and any of those things. So I am excited for everyone to just do something a little bit different this week. Yeah. And just ask yourself, how can I make it more fun? That's a good question. Love it. Love it. So if any of the listeners wanted to get in touch with you or know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah. I'm on social media at Kristen Yates DO, most active on Instagram and Facebook. And then if you're interested in a retreat that I'm having, my next one will be in March and you can just email me at kyates. 21 at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about your retreat. What kind of stuff do you do? And and what would the March retreat be like? Yeah. So the March retreat is in Hilton Head at the Omni in Hilton Head. And it's two days and it's like a weekend. So it's Friday through Sunday. And we're going to be working on the activities now, but I ziplined at the last one and I really loved it and got great feedback. So we'll, they have a ziplining course near the hotel. So we'll do mm-hmm. ziplining. And I think we're going to do, I do, I think, do think we're going to do some go-karts. It will be part of it. And then probably some sort of artistic thing, painting or something like that. And then essentially I, I cover a few topics around self-doubt, becoming more confident, which is really the goal is for you to leave a little bit more confident than you left. And then it includes some coaching, all foods included. Yeah. And I, it's a small group. I limit it to 10 people, 10 women, just because I think that we can get really well acquainted and it just feels like a nice, safe group. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll include all of that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all of the wisdom that you've shared. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. 
The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.